Hey everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes Is A Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm going to teach you how to do a time audit. If you feel like you have more to do than there are hours in the day, you are going to love this episode. And if right now you're playing me on like one and a half speed, you're probably very busy. You're going to love this episode. But first, let's hear a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode. Whether your engines have been running all winter long or you've been hibernating through the cold, let's talk about a food that will keep you going all season, macadamia nuts. Imagine enjoying macadamia nuts without having to go on a mission to find them among their distant cousins in the mixed nut package. A handful of these naturally buttery flavor bombs has the perfect calorie breakdown of proteins, healthy fatty acids, fiber, and a couple of carbs so you can snack without throwing yourself out of whack. You can get freshly roasted macadamia nuts in a variety of snack sizes from Yuguazi Macadamia. But you won't just get better macadamia nuts from Yuguazi. You'll also help build a better world. Yuguazi means knowledge in Zulu because this isn't just another nut brand. Yuguazi is a nonprofit whose primary mission is providing quality and affordable college education to African students. Yuguazi doesn't just give a percentage of profits to charity. All the profits from their 14,000 macadamia nut trees and their freshly roasted macadamia sales belong to Yuguazi International Christian University, a fully accredited nonprofit and Christian university in the kingdom of Eswatani. Order your next snack from buymacadamias.com. That's B-U-I-M-A-C-A-D-A-M-I-A-S.com. When you use the code John Acuff, let's spell that too, that's J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. You'll get a free snack size package of roasted and lightly salted macadamia nuts with any order. That's buymacadamias.com. Use the code John Acuff. You can help build a better world while enjoying a healthy yet tasty snack of Yuguazi macadamia nuts. All right, let's, let's jump in. In last week's episode... I told you about actions. Remember, we're in the middle of a multi-parter, a special three-part episode, even though there's four things I'm talking about. But there are four parts to a goal. Goals are difficult. They're hard to accomplish, but they're not that complex. Goals always have four parts. Number one, results. What are the results? What you want to accomplish. The results are your finish line. The second part of a goal are actions the actions you're going to do to actually complete the results. Third part is the time. You could call it a deadline. You could call it hours. You could say, this is about my calendar, but it's the time you're going to invest. And the fourth part of a goal is the motivation. You could say fuel, fire, passion, drive, your why. You can use a million different words, but it's what drives you across the finish line. If your goal has those four things, chances are you're going to be successful. If those four things are in motion, if you're being deliberate about your results, your actions, your time, your motivation, you're going to finish your goal. You're going to accomplish that thing. Now, last week, we did a deep dive into actions. I taught you how to build an action tracker, a really simple tool. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check it out. 
And don't worry, you don't have to have listened to that episode to enjoy and benefit from this week's episode. Today, we're going to discuss that third and final component, our time. Now, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. What about motivation? Are we going to cover that? Is that's the fourth step? How is this a three-part series? This feels like terrible math. Well, the good news is I actually already did that episode. I have a whole episode on how to build what I call a motivation portfolio. You see, you need more than one source of motivation. If you only have one source of motivation, guess what happens when that one doesn't show up? Neither will you. You need a motivation portfolio, multiple forms of motivation. I'll teach you how to build that in that episode. We'll link to it in the show notes. I didn't want to repeat content. I didn't want to have the same episode roughly next week. I've only done like 50 plus episodes. I can't be repeating content already. So make sure you go back and listen to that one too. But today, we're talking about time. We're going to start with a fun, creative activity called a time audit. That's going to help you find more time in your days and your weeks. Now, my day today started at 4.55 a.m. for me. That's, that's early. I usually get up around 6 o'clock, um, maybe 6.05 if I'm feeling a little, little frisky, if I'm treating myself. But 4.55 is pretty early. I had a sound check for an international event at 5.45 a.m. It was virtual, obviously. I'm in um, Franklin, Tennessee, where I live, uh, which is just outside of Nashville. And I had to get up for that event. Now, that's why my voice might sound a little scratchy today. I did an hour-long talk for a global sales team on my most recent book and concept, Soundtracks. And when you present um, in a virtual setting, you have to bring all of the energy. When you're in a live event, you can feed off the crowd. You can interact with the crowd. When it's just you and a camera, you have to bring all of it. And here's a free career tip related to my morning. Find a job you love so much that you'll put on a suit at 4.55 a.m. in the morning. There's not a lot of jobs that make me feel that way. There's very few jobs that make me feel that way, but this one does. Public speaking, that's my favorite. I often say that joy is a wonderful alarm clock. When you've got something you're excited about doing, joy wakes you up. And that's what happened to me today. If you've got a virtual event coming up and you want me to teach your team how to build a winning mindset, finish their goals, or the four investments you need to pivot, let me know. You can check my availability at acuff.me slash speaking, A-C-U-F-F dot M-E slash speaking, or the link in the show notes. Now, when I ask people like you who are high performers, and remember, if you're listening to this podcast you're a high performer. Lazy people never listen to a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal. They they just don't. So I'm going to tell you that all the time. You are a high performer. And when I ask high performers like you, what's what's the hardest part of finishing a goal? Do you know what the answer usually is? Time management. We're all too busy, aren't we? I've never met someone who said, you know, John, um, my big, my big problem is that I have too much free time. I just have so much free time. Do I golf more? Do I shop with friends? Do I just hang around? Do I really catch up on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? Oh, no one ever tells me their challenge is free time. No, the challenge is that when you attempt a goal, and it could be a health goal, a financial goal, a side hustle goal, a work goal, et cetera, you quickly learn how many different steps even the simplest task takes. 
Let's say that you need to launch a small website. That doesn't sound so hard, right? You see commercials on TV about people doing that all the time. Surely I can do that. But then you realize you have to, one, come up with a good URL. Number two, make sure the URL isn't taken. Number three, register the URL. Number four, find a good host. Number five, find a designer to help you with the look and feel. Number six, develop your own sitemap. Number seven, write all the copy for all the pages. Number eight, create email accounts that will handle incoming messages. Number nine, hire a developer to build the site. Number 10, launch the site. In about 30 seconds, I was able to come up with 10 tasks. And the reality is that for each of those tasks, there's at least 10 subtasks under it. So it's easy to see why time management is such a hot issue. Every goal you work on will require your most limited resource, your time. So today I'm going to teach you one of the tricks I use to manage my time. And let me, let me start with a, a simple promise. You won't, you won't get it all done. Maybe you were expecting me to say like, I'm going to teach you something today that will make you get everything you ever wanted to get done, done. I just don't think that's true. You won't. Part of why time management is so frustrating is that inside each of us is a belief that if we just tried harder or we learned the right technique or found a magical extra hour that CEOs must know about, then we could accomplish everything. But you can't. That's not failure. That's, that's reality. So right out of the gate, I want you to take the pressure off yourself. Do you remember that soundtrack I taught you about your calendar and your imagination? The reason you have more to do than you can possibly get done is simple. Your imagination is bigger than your calendar. Your calendar is locked in. It's finite. It's 24 hours, seven days, 52 weeks, it has hard borders that you can't really negotiate with. Your imagination, on the other hand, your imagination is infinite. It's massive and it's big and it's creative. It's bigger than your calendar. So write that down on a post-it note and put it where you can see it. There's a new soundtrack for you. My imagination is bigger than my calendar. All right, now that we've done that, I want to talk about the time audit. Most people feel overwhelmed. They feel like they've got too much to do. But if you ask them where their time is going, they can't really tell you because they don't know. If I say, hey, how many hours did you exercise last month? They they can't answer. If I say, hey, how many of your hours were dedicated to your side hustle in the last week? I mean, just really deepening your knowledge about what it's going to take to build your business. They, They don't have a clue. Now, imagine if you tried that same approach with a trainer at a gym. Imagine if you showed up and told your trainer, I want to get in shape and I want to lose weight. I have such a drive for that. I have motivation. I want to do that. And she helped you come up with a workout plan. And then she said, hey, can we talk about your your diet or what you eat? Like, talk about your food. Like, what are you eating? How much water are you drinking? Do you have any food allergies? How often are you getting vegetables? Are you taking any supplements? Are you getting enough protein? If she asked questions like that, would you ever say back to her, I'm, uh, I'm not telling you any of that information. I'm really serious about getting in shape, but I don't know what I'm eating and I'm not going to find out. Same with finances. If you had a financial goal and you hired a financial advisor, somebody to help you with your money and you, you came into the office and they said, okay, well, let's talk about your budget. Let's talk about your debt. Let's talk about your credit cards. Let's talk about your 401k. Let's talk about all these numbers. And you're like, no, 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 no. 
I don't want to talk about any numbers. I don't want to talk about where my money is going, what I'm spending it on, my expenses, my revenue. I, I want to get really serious about my money, but just not have any information about my money. There's not a financial planner on the planet that would let you get away with that. There's not a trainer, a serious trainer who'd be okay with that. So you have to figure out where your time is going. In order to do that, you just try a time audit for a couple of weeks. I like to do it for two weeks as a test because one week is too small of a time frame. One week is, is too, too tiny. It doesn't really show you what a week really looks like. And every week is a little bit different. So I think a two-week chunk is good. I guess you could say I want to try it for 12 weeks. That feels a little overwhelming right out of the gate. I've just brought this idea to your attention. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Two weeks feels good. And if it sounds complicated, I, I promise you, it's, it's really not. All I want you to do is keep a running tally of what you spend your time on in 30 or 60 minute chunks for two weeks. Now, be careful with this one. Let me give you a little bit of, a little bit of warning. There's a real temptation to get perfectionistic and start asking yourself, was my phone call with my friend 6.5 minutes or 6.75 minutes? Would I classify that as work since we talked about work or as a relational conversation because we also talked about our families? Don't get so precise that you get stuck. I find that 30 to 60 minute chunks work fine. Also, make sure you track the weekends too. Those count, especially since a lot of great goal activity can happen on a Saturday or a Sunday. Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. On any given day, it might look like this. Monday, I spent 30 minutes on email. Monday, I spent 30 minutes on wrangling my kids for breakfast, 30 minutes on exercise, 60 minutes on making meals, 60 minutes of watching TV, 30 minutes of getting dressed in the morning and getting ready for bed at night, and seven hours of sleep. We're talking 10, 11, 12 maybe data points. I coached someone once and he got so specific that he was able to tell me how many hours he spent dating each week. It was, it was three hours, by the way. He averaged three hours of, of dating um, per week. I don't really know if that's a good number or not. It felt like a good number to me, but I don't really have a whole lot to measure that on. Even if you're great at managing your time, you're going to be surprised. You will be surprised at where you are really spending it. Once you have the data, you can then ask yourself, okay, how do I feel about this? Is the time going to the things that matter most? Am I coasting on some things? Am I not applying myself in some areas? Another way to do this exercise is to get a ballpark on what certain activities are costing you. Since joining Twitter in 2008, for instance, I've tweeted 80,000 times. Each tweet takes me on average, let's say, 90 seconds to write, review, and interact with. That's 120,000 minutes, which is 2,000 hours or 83 days. But when you break it into eight-hour days, like a work day, it's even crazier. I've spent 258-hour days using Twitter. 250. Imagine if your boss is like, hey, you know what? We want to send you on a paid vacation for 250 days. That would be a dream, right? 258-hour days is what I've spent using Twitter. That is staggering. I honestly had no idea that things were like that until I started to pay attention. One of the amazing things that happens when you do a time audit is that you get to see if your calendar matches your vision. Let's say you have an exercise goal this year. You want to run a 10K. 
That's awesome. Now, take out your calendar and see if it matches your vision. Are the hours and activities you're doing helping you achieve your goals? Or have some distractions snuck into your schedule? For example, when I saw that I was spending eight hours a week on Twitter, I could immediately see that my calendar wasn't lining up with my vision. I had veered away from my purpose and I had to get back on track. I can't tell you at the end of a week, so busy, so slammed, didn't have time to work on my book or like do CrossFit or whatever. I was just so busy. And I also spent eight hours on Twitter. That's crazy to me. That calendar doesn't match my vision. Now, The opportunities you face will change and grow and evolve over time in unexpected ways. But it's always good to check in with your vision to see if you're still headed in the right direction. And the calendar gives you a great chance to do that. A time audit gives you a great chance to do that too. Another benefit of this exercise is when you connect your hours to money if you have a side hustle goal. This is the easiest way to get an honest sense of what you're making. For example, I made $469.91 in advertising in my first 30 days focusing on YouTube. That's, that's great. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But let's really look at that time for a minute. Let's really go behind the curtain and see what's going on in Oz, if you will. Each video took me about 90 minutes to make. That means it took me 97.5 hours to make $469.91. That breaks down to $4.81 an hour. The minimum wage where I live in Nashville is $7.25 per hour. I made a lot less per hour than minimum wage, which I'm going to be honest with you, that is not fantastic. That's one of the reasons I paused my YouTube channel. I'm not doing a whole ton on YouTube right now. I'm doing way more on podcasts. Like This is my jam. I love podcasting. YouTube, it was a terrible combination of things where I'm not good at it, I don't enjoy it, and it doesn't make money. If you ever bump into something that you don't enjoy, that you're not good at, and it doesn't make money, those are three strikes right there. Be real careful about that. So you get specific. You figure out, okay, where's my time going? How much is it costing me? What am I actually earning? Maybe that's one of the questions. And then to really take control of it, compare planned to actual. Each day, spend a few minutes planning what you'll do tomorrow. The next day before you go to bed, go back through your calendar and see how you actually spent your hours. If you wrote down 30-minute morning walk on a Sunday afternoon in pencil at the end of the day on Monday, check if you really did that. If you did, go back and write over it in pen. Check you did it. If you didn't though, leave it in pencil. At the end of each week, review all seven days to see how big the gap is between what you plan to do and what you actually did. Is there a lot of pencil? Did you not accomplish 90% of what you planned? What would it take for next week to have a little bit more pen? Now, this is a fun, simple activity that will reveal some areas of your life that might require more realistic expectations, more planning, or more focus. Now, We figured out where our time has been going. You do a time audit. You look at the two weeks and you go, okay, so now what? Now what do I do? Now we get serious about the actions that matter most. Remember in our last episode, we talked about actions. That's my goal for you is I want to help you create amazing soundtracks, my phrase for repetitive thoughts, that turn into actions, that turn into results. That's always what happens with goals. Your thoughts become your actions, become your results. So we've got some actions that we want to do. Now, there's a problem. 
And, and here's the problem. Most goals are optimistic lies. I hate to step on toes, especially this time of year, but it's, it's true. Most goals are optimistic lies, but we believe we will do them and we declare our intentions with gusto. We will run. We will write a book. We will build a business. We will lose the weight. We will eat better, sleep more, and a thousand other noble things that we declare. But unless we take out our calendars and schedule the actions that matter, they will never happen. Fortunately, time is the easiest factor to deal with when it comes to finishing goals. We've had the same calendar for more than 700 years. No new days or hours have been invented. It's a fixed number. All you have to do is answer three simple questions. Question number one, what day will I work on my goal? Question number two, what hour will I work on my goal? And question number three, where will I work on my goal? The first, first two questions are obvious. You need to write down something like, on Monday, May 5th, from 10 a.m. to 10.30 a.m., I will exercise. The third question is a little surprising. Why do we need to ask, where will I work on my goal? Why does where matter? Well, in a study by Peter Golitzer from the University of Constance, Germany, two groups of students were asked to work on essays over the holiday break. One group was told to write down when and where they would work on the essays. The other group was not given this instruction. At the end of the experiment, 32% of the students who did not make a plan had completed their essays. Guess what percent of students who had come up with a plan finished? 71%. That's twice as many. All they did was write down when and where. Adding where you'll do the work adds another layer of detail that makes it even easier to accomplish your goal. Get specific. My home is a terrible answer. I want my home office in the red chair. The coffee shop, yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit vague too. I want the second floor of the coffee shop in the chair that makes me sit up straight. Take out your calendar and the actions. If you came up with any actions, and start to connect them. Looking ahead the next seven to 14 days, give every action a date, a time, and a location. Planning your time is the only way to turn optimistic lies into finished goals. Now, keep in mind, you don't have to plot every single action onto your calendar. For some actions, use an end-of-day deadline. For example, if one of your actions, one of your goals, is to drink 64 ounces of water a day, you wouldn't write down on your calendar, Drink eight ounces of water on Tuesday from 11 a.m. to 11.09 a.m. in the kitchen. Who has time to plan their week that precisely? You're not a machine. Real lives are way messier than that. Instead, for certain actions, use an end-of-day deadline. In essence, you say to yourself, by the end of each day, I want to accomplish blank. It's a catch-all deadline that keeps you motivated to finish. If any of this planning feels a little overwhelming, remember, we're not aiming for perfect. We're aiming for done. We're trying to be better today than we were yesterday and then repeat that process tomorrow. We're, we're iterating. We're learning how to manage the four parts of a goal. Remember what they were? Results, actions, time, and motivation. I'll link to all the other episodes in the show notes. And that concludes this three-parter. If you liked this set of episodes, let me know in the reviews. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do some more. The next few episodes are going to be interviews with some really interesting people who inspire me. 
I think you're going to love those episodes. We have so many of them already planned. We are hustling on this. And I I have people helping me with it. I think it's going to be really fun. The first year of the podcast was kind of an experiment. Like, let's see if we want to do a podcast. And now I'm like, we want to do a podcast. So I'm so excited that you listened. Thanks for listening today. And big thank you for reviewing my podcast. A podcast about goals should have a goal when it comes to reviews. And our goal is a thousand reviews. Every review brings us one step closer to achieving that. So thank you. Please make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying so you don't miss another episode. Last but not least, big thank you once again to our sponsor, Uguazi Macadamia. Visit buymacadamias.com and use the code John Acuff to get a free snack size package of roasted and lightly salted macadamia nuts with any order. That's it for this week. I'll see you next Monday. And remember... All it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast. podcast.